Blog Talk Radio. February 13th, 2020, and welcome to my blog talk radio show. This is Natalie Pace, and today we're going to be talking about the coronavirus, which companies and countries will be most impacted by this virus. So um, before we begin, I just want to say that our hearts and our prayers do go out to China, particularly the regions where Um, This is most predominant where the virus uh, initiated, but it is spreading. I mean, Japan had their first death, um, I think, yesterday. We have had a total of 1,369 deaths, according to the World Health um, Organization, and there's about 47,000 cases um, as of um, today as well. The, The thing about this is that the death to case ratio is just very high you know when you think of you know over 7 billion people on the planet you might think oh well a thousand or you know almost 1500 deaths is not that much but when you think of how many cases there are um, compared to the deaths that's just a very high percentage I mean most of us catch a virus catch a flu and maybe down for a few days. Um, This is obviously something very different. And in fact, um, there are a few news that you might not yet have heard of. Um, Some of the news is hard to get access to, and some of it is um, misinformation that is being reported by even the top news agencies. So I think it's pretty important to get the um, get the facts straight and also to give you the real news that's going on so um, let's do that the first thing that you should know about is that the mobile world has been canceled that just happened yesterday and this is the biggest uh, smartphone convention or mobile uh, phone convention in the world, it's not even being held in China, it's being held in Barcelona, and it was canceled uh, yesterday. So a lot of companies had pulled out, and then they were either going to do a travel ban on the area of China that was most, so far, where most of the infections have occurred, and that wasn't enough. Most of the companies had already started to pull out, so they did have to cancel it. So that's number one, and you might think, well, that's not going to have a lot to do 
with, um, you know, the larger economy. But that's not the only thing that's happening. So factories like Foxconn, where 40% of our electronic devices, consumer electronic devices worldwide, are manufactured, um, 40%. That's quite a lot. That will impact supply chains. Now, you might say, oh, well, hopefully these companies that have their manufacturing process interrupted or their supply chain interrupted, maybe they have inventory, that sort of thing. And that's possible. Um, But it will possibly still impact them going forward. And then you also have that headquarters and retail stores in China are closed. So if a company has a lot of uh, retail sales or revenue that's coming from China, that's going to impact their earnings going forward. And there are quite a few technology companies where that is the case. So let's, um, let's jump into that. But first of all, I think it's really important because I saw reports, of, again, from major news organizations that were saying that Apple stores were going to be reopened this week and that the manufacturing facility, Foxconn, which is owned by Hanhei, was going to be reopened uh, this week. And that is not, that is not really true. That, in fact, that's exactly the opposite of what is true. So it's important to get to the facts of the matter here. So um, the Foxconn had released a statement on their website. They said, the welfare of our employees continues to be a top priority for Foxconn. They said they are working with the local governments to facilitate, this is their words, facilitate the necessary preparations for our employees to safely return to work. They said that they have not received any requests from their customers to resume production earlier. So what basically they're saying is that we have to, um, you know, we have to make sure our, our employees are safe. And when you have a factory in China where the proximity of the workers is so close, even the living quarters is so close, a spread of a virus like this could be really catastrophic, both to them in terms of their workforce. It certainly is not going to help um, at all their products because then nobody's going to want to buy the products. And, of course, it's also going to be very bad public relations move. So be, having an abundance of caution, which is everybody is saying this is, is actually the best strategy because, again, this is not a normal virus. Normal viruses don't have, you know, 1,500 deaths on, you know, 30,000 um, infections. So um, let's take a look at some of the companies that Foxconn, they don't really tell you which products they produce and which companies, but I did find on Wikipedia um, a few of their customers. BlackBerry, um, definitely Apple, definitely Amazon, particularly Kindle, um, all the gaming stations like uh, Xbox, PlayStation uh, and Nintendo, those are all uh, manufactured there. There's probably others as well. Also, most of our clothing is still manufactured in China. So, you know, basically anything that says made in China 
is going to be uh, impacted in terms of the supply chain, what's available to us. Also, I want to mention that, of course, Apple, uh, you know, most of their phones are manufactured in China. Not all of their products are manufactured there, but the majority are. And um, that is not the case with Samsung. Samsung has become vertically, vertically integrated, and their factories are now in Vietnam, Thailand, and India. They pulled out of China. So Samsung is in a significantly better position from the standpoint of um, supply chain. And when you consider that uh, the sales, you know, when you consider who are the, smart, the smartphone leaders. So in global smartphone sales, Samsung has actually been the leader for a large number of years. In the last quarter, Apple edged out over Samsung 20% to Samsung's 19% of the market. Um, and that's largely, honestly, to do with, sadly, probably Samsung's decision to pull out of manufacturing in China because they did lose market share in China. So that's probably what happened in the last quarter. But that may shift very significantly in the next quarter, both due to uh, retail stores closed in China, although that's going to affect Samsung too, but also supply chain. So uh, the smartphone leaders are Apple is currently the leader with 20%. Samsung is second with 19%. Huawei is third with 15%. So Huawei is definitely a leader. And this is by smartphone unit sales, not by revenue. Uh, Huawei is definitely a leader. Uh, it's blacklisted in the U.S. So the fact that it can be 15% of the global market while it's blacklisted in the U.S. tells you how popular the product is. And that's probably got a lot to do with price, that it's a really great smartphone for a very low price. So you know, in some European countries, you might look around or ask people, and there's a large portion of them that are um, using a Huawei smartphone. So um, let's go over to Apple sales. So 15% of Apple's sales in the fourth quarter came directly from China. So they having stores retail closed in China, and 15% of their sales is coming from China that's going to impact their sales. And um, they have already said that, oh, that's why we have this kind of larger window on our forward outlook this month or this quarter. But um, this is a little bit more of a big deal, I think, than people were anticipating. So the fact that they do have a larger window doesn't mean that they're not going to miss their revenue targets and or their profitability targets. And I think that more and more it's looking like that might be the case. So um, let's take a look at other companies that are going to be impacted by this. I am going to be posting um, a report on this on my blog. So I do encourage you to go back and read it and look at it. I have to go right now because I wanted to get this up for today's teleconference. I have to go by other people's calculations. I'll be double checking these numbers myself um, before I post it. So this is according to... Um, let me get you the article name. This is a Market Watch article, and it is from 2018, I believe. So it is um, over a year old, and the numbers might be slightly different, but they're unlikely to be significantly different. So 
let's look at what it was a year ago, and then, again, I will update it before I publish it. So there's a company called Skyworks Solutions. It's traded in the U.S. 83% of their um, of their sales comes from China. Qualcomm, 65%. Broadcom, 54%. Micron Technology, 51%. Texas Instruments, 44%. Advanced Micro Devices, 33%. Zlinx, 25%. Intel, 24%. Corning, 22%. Starbucks, 20%. Here it says Apple um, 20%, but we know from their most recent quarter that it's 15%. Uh, applied my materials, 19%. Nike, 12%. And this is also, again, I did mention it about, you know, our clothes. Most of our clothes are manufactured in China. There has been a move to put some factories more into Vietnam and Thailand, but it's still got a significant, and Indonesia, still got a very significant presence there. So those are the main companies. I think technology, a lot of technology, um, excluding Google. Google it was outlawed there. They want to have their own search engine, so they do. Um, so excluding Google, Google does not have a lot of presence in China, um, if anything, there. They may have some products, like their, especially any smartphones. They may have some smartphone products or Android products that are um, manufactured there. So that may affect Google if in their product line. But on the search engine side, they don't have a strong presence there. So, um, again, the hit list here is that, you know, we're going to have a hit to smartphone product sales in China and to most of the uh, smartphone supply chain that comes from Fox, Foxconn. We're going to have a hit on anything that's consumer electronic devices. Um, many of our technology companies, uh, up to a third of their sales could come from China. Um, China's GDP growth, and I think this is important to mention, is that you know you hear all the time in these headlines that China's GDP growth is slowing down. It was predicted to be 5.9% in 2020, which is still three times what the predictions are for the U.S. economy. So I think that's important to bear in mind. But this, this could make um, their next quarter slower. It's still likely to grow. Uh, Amazon gaming, uh, as we mentioned, technology companies, fashion, as we mentioned. Okay, so... I want to also talk a little bit about um, not only the coronavirus, but other challenges that our country faces. And by the way, when the U.S. sneezes, Canada catches a cold, really the whole world does. So we're really intertwined economically. So you can see how a virus in China is going to affect the U.S. economy. There's no doubt about it. It's not limited to China. So when you know just because it the the information is more difficult to access doesn't mean that it's not happening so it's it isn't easy to access the information that headquarters apple headquarters and apple retail is still closed or that han hay manufacturing is still closed but it's there and it is possible to get it um by the way i did find one report that apple in uh beijing but no other china uh, parts of china Apple Beijing retail will be open on Valentine's Day for a very limited window. I think it might be eight hours. 
So, um, but that's all that I've found in terms of it actually being open. So this is true that we are in a global economy. And so when the U.S. faces challenges, it does impact the rest of the world. So this is according to the Jerome Powell testimony to Congress on February 11, 2020, and I'm quoting, the nation faces important long-run challenges. So labor force participation by individuals in their prime working years is at its highest rate in more than a decade. However, it remains lower than in most other advanced economies, and there are troubling labor market disparities across racial and ethnic groups and across regions of the country. And also, we, you know, the Great Recession now was over a decade ago. So when it says that labor market, labor force participation is the best it's been in a decade, it's not really saying a lot because we've been recovering from the Great Recession for a decade. So in addition to that, and I'm going back to um, his quote, uh, productivity growth, which is the main engine for raising wages and living standards, has moved up recently. However, productivity gains have been subpar throughout this entire economic expansion. So this bull market has not been accompanied by productivity gains. And that's usually when um, GDP is really rising. We will, I'm going to tell you why the markets rose, even though productivity was not the driver, which is what it should be. So they say finding ways, Jerome Powell says, finding ways to boost labor force participation and productivity growth would benefit Americans and should remain a national priority. So um, the other thing that I think is really important is that this is, again, a quote. The current, from Jerome Powell, the current low interest rate environment means that it would be important for fiscal policy to help support the economy if it weakens because this low interest rate environment may limit the ability of central banks to reduce policy interest rates enough to support the economy during a downturn. So what he's saying is that if, we, if the economy does start to weaken, normally what the central banks do is they lower interest rates, and that helps to get everything moving again. But we're starting out too low for that to be the case. So another thing that that means is that your bonds are more problematic this time around than they've been in the past. And indeed, when stocks lost money in 2018, so did bonds. Bonds are supposed to be the safe side, which means they're not supposed to lose money. So I think that's important to highlight. I also want to highlight one other part of the safe side that people are getting sold into, uh, or more than a few. The first thing I want to highlight is uh, REITs, so real estate investment trusts. A lot of people are getting sold into REITs for the income. This is very high risk, especially if it is a private placement REIT, because many of these REITs have been cash negative for years. So there, I, I asked a couple who'd been sold into these as safe uh, if they would tell their story. And so they did. And I do encourage you to read that blog. And if you need to access it, just email info at nataliepace.com 
or call 310-430-2397. Some people have exposure to REITs in their retirement plan. They don't even know it. So it's not a bad idea to get a second opinion on your retirement account to make sure that you're not exposed to REITs or um, mortgage-backed securities and that sort of thing. So what the bottom line is is that this couple had a bunch of private placement REITs that they were sold into a safe because they said it would uh, offer them an income. And then a year ago, they discovered just how risky this was. And so they started filling out paperwork to exit the REITs. And over a year later, they have not received any money back. And in fact, 18% of the money, the broker who had quit returning their phone calls for a year until they told them that they were going to call the SEC and and FINRA, then all of a sudden they got a phone call back within a day. Um, That actually right away. That broker... He told them, the only thing he has told them and updated them on when they'll get their money back is he told them that they're not getting 18% back, that that is gone. So, again, it's a reminder that high dividends are high risk. So if someone is trying to sell you something for income these days, it is high risk. You don't need them to tell you that. And you should never be reaching for yield. It's not worth it to make $5 on $100 if you're going to lose $20. So 18% of $100 is $18. And what the, you know, they were not getting that kind of dividend. So it's really important for you to remember that. The higher the dividend, the higher the risk. Also, even money markets, which aren't paying much of a dividend at all, but are not FDIC insured, have a lot of risk these days. They have redemption gates and liquidity fees. And what that means is that they could limit your ability or even stop your ability to make withdrawals, to access your own money, or they could actually charge you too. So both are the case. Redemption gates and liquidity fees became legal in 2017. So a lot of us are getting sold into money market funds on the safe side of our portfolio because they say, oh, you, you know, you're making zero in your FDIC insured cash. So put it in a money market fund where at least you get 1.5%. Again, never reach for yield. These kind of things are reaching for yield. And then finally, you're going to get the same kind of thing in an annuity. And I do want to remind you that insurance companies make their own profits by investing in the stock market. And that is why when the stock market goes down, that insurance companies get into trouble too. And I want to also remind you that many insurance companies would not be in business if we had not bailed them out during the Great Recession. And the same, you know, business leaders that were running them then are still running them now. So, and the AIG, which is the largest annuity provider, would have been out of business if we hadn't bailed it out in the Great Recession. It's once again the largest annuity provider. And again, A lot of times the insurance company or the um, insurance product or the annuity product is um, got a different name than AIG, but it is actually owned by AIG. So again, if you would like to get a second opinion on your current plan, that's a really good idea because now is the time to know exactly what you own and why you own it. You do not want to have blind faith. You do not want to invest with last century ideas like buy and hope. 
They haven't worked in this century. It's that buy and hope strategies are really just riding the Wall Street roller coaster and losing more than half in each downturn. And if you've looked at my asset bubble chart, you know that today's economy, with all of our debt, with assets back to all-time highs in bubblicious range, and the debt has gone absolutely astronomical, we're actually in more perilous position today than we were then. Also, I will be doing an upcoming call on the petrol wand. So uh, you, um, Eurasia and China have begun trading oil using the petrol wand and not the dollar. So this is a new trend and you need to know about it as well. All right, guys, I'm going to go quickly over to one um, call question that was emailed in. And I want to remind you that if you do have a question, you can email them in too. Um, please do it at least a week before our teleconference. So if you have a question now, um, of course, I'm going to open up the phone line. So if you're on the phone line, feel free to press 1 now so that I know you have a question and so that I can op open up the phone lines for you in a minute and answer your question. But if you're listening back to this and you have a question, then write it down and either post it on social media or email it to us. You can email info at nataliepace.com. Social media, Twitter, uh, I'm at Natalie Pace. On LinkedIn, you can find me, Natalie Wynn Pace, W-Y-N-N-E. Instagram, Natalie Wynn Pace, W-Y-N-N-E. On Facebook, it's The ABCs of Money. So, um, yeah, and then if you do wish to call us, just call 310-430-2397. All right, again, if you do have a question, press 1 now so that I know you have a question. I'll open up the phone lines. It's completely anonymous. By the way, that's why I'm doing teleconference and not video conference because I want you to be able to ask any question you want and nobody knows it's you. So you can ask it and nobody knows it's you and no question is dumb. So this question was emailed in and it said, um, Sharon said, Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is saying that stock buybacks should be illegal. Does Natalie agree with this? Uh, she included a, a video that we could watch it. I did not watch the video in full disclosure. I'm just going to answer the question. Um, no, I do not believe that stock, stock buybacks should be illegal, although I do understand the concerns, and I have the same concerns right now. And I'll tell you what, what my concerns are, but before I say that, I'm going to tell you what I think the solution is. The cure is not regulation, it is education in my view. So what is the problem with stock buybacks and why would AOC be up in arms about them? Well, the problem with buybacks is this. A company like Boeing can have no orders in, um, in January at all. It can have its major cash cow absolutely grounded it's almost a year now it's been grounded since march it can have very few deliveries 13 planes were de delivered on average they would have 45 or 46 planes delivered and 45 or 46 orders so they had no orders and 13 planes <coughs> so why is the stocks 
still trading very high. Yesterday, Boeing stock rose again. And the reason for that, even though the news is terrible, is that Boeing is borrowing money and buying back its own stock. So that's what a lot of companies are doing. And in fact, they're borrowing money, buying back their own stock. They are not contributing to their pension plans. They are not contributing to their other post-employment benefits. And they're not paying down debt. They're accumulating debt. So you can have other companies like Ford Motor Company that owes $220 billion in liabilities, over $100 billion of that in debt. Their income in the last quarter was only $105 million. So how long would it take for them to pay off debt if they were just paying off debt? And that's not... And uh, the liabilities does include their uh, pensions and other post-employment benefits. So what can happen here, and I think, sadly, General Electric is the worst example of this. General Electric was borrowing to buy back their own stock and pay high dividends. And then in 2017, all of a sudden, and they do not give advance notice on this, they cut their dividend by half, and their stock dropped by half. And now, then they had to cut their dividend to a penny, and then their stock fell again, and it's now trading at one-third of what it was two years ago. And that's why it's important for you to understand that a bull market that has been built on corporate buybacks is not a bull market that has been fueled by productivity gains, and that's the problem. All right, so do... Um, I'm going to check and see if we have any other questions. Nobody raise their hand. Yay on you. And again, remember, if you do questions come up, just ask us. That's where we get the best, um, you know, feedback for what you want to hear in terms of the blogs and the teleconferences. So um, what is the solution? The stocks are at an all-time high. That's great, and that's really good. And that's why, by the way, you don't use market timing. You don't try to jump all in to the market or all out of the market. If the markets are at an all-time high and you think that we have too many buybacks and too much debt and the, and the economy is slowing, which it is, all of these things, what you do, you don't jump out and just sell all your stocks. You trim them back, and what you do is you overweight safes. So you're always supposed to keep a percent equal to your age safe. If the markets are high, debt is high, economy is slowing, then you overweight safe. And the right answer to that would be anywhere between 5 to 20%. I currently have 20% overweighted safe. And then you make sure that you're properly diversified. And then you're going to have to know what's safe in a world where bonds lost money in 2018 and are losing value and can become illiquid and money market funds have redemption gates and liquidity fees. So you need to know what's safe in that world. So getting updated is really important, and now is the time to do it. Uh, whether you get an unbiased second opinion on your current strategy, your current investing strategy, or attend a retreat, keeping your money is a good thing. Markets are at an all-time high. May as well keep those gains and make sure you're properly protected, make sure you're properly diversified, and make sure that you don't have your money kept from you in a redemption gate or that you have to pay to have access to your money with a liquidity fee or that you are not earning income on something that's going to lose you 20% of your principal. That's pretty important information to get. And now's the time to get it. So again, call 310-430-2397 
or email info at nataliepace.com. We have all of our 2020 retreats scheduled, and we even have our 2021, our first 2021 retreat is on calendar and on my website. Uh, if you are interested in Santa Monica or Poundbury, the Poundbury retreat is April. Uh, it's an Earth Day retreat, April 24th through the 27th. That's in England, and if you really love sustainability, then you want to go to that. Um, I lowered the price of registration to help offset the price of flying there. But you'll be very happy you went. And the hotel there is half the price of the hotel in Santa Monica. So it's really worth it. Um, The Santa Monica retreat is going to be June 5th through the 7th. And if you are interested in that, you want to register before the end of the month because then you'll get the best price. The early bird pricing ends at the end of February. But the other reason you want to register now is that I only have two seats still available in Santa Monica, really only two seats still available in England too. So then you're going to have to wait till October, and honestly, that's going to be too long to wait. You need to know what you own now, and you need to get safe, protected, hot, and diversified now. If you get a second opinion, and I outline what you have and outline what you should have and then you have an action plan and if you want to use it great and if you don't then you don't have to but at least you know what you own it's important to be the boss of your money and not just to have blind faith or buy and hope and now's the time to do it and again it's important for you to let your friends know as well Uh, I don't recommend you hound them but I do recommend that you let them know And if you would like for us to email them information that they can consider, email Heather at NataliePace.com or call 310-430-2397. If you refer someone who registers and attends a retreat, we'll happily give you two free coaching sessions. And you can use those towards your own unbiased second opinion. Also, I do have free web apps. So you can mock up and personalize your own um, nest egg pie chart the sample one that shows you what you should have. It won't help you to organize what you do have. You might need my help to do that. And by the way, you can't even get a broker to do that for you because what they give you will not be an accurate representation of what you really have. And then also, um, you can get a sample Thrive budget. So again, thank you for joining me. I will have um, my March call, my March teleconference. I haven't scheduled it yet. But you can always go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash Natalie Pace to see what we have on calendar. It may change. All right. Thanks so much for joining me. I look forward to speaking with you again soon. And have a lovely week. All right. Goodbye now.